Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is poet Ahmad Jamal Johnson, reading from his work as part of the event Young African American Poets, a Celebration of New Writing, co-sponsored by the Yale Collection of American Literature Reading Series and New Ideas in African American Studies on October 28, 2008. The poet is introduced by Nancy Cool, curator of the Yale Collection of American Literature at the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library. Our first poet today is Ahmad Jamal Johnson, whose book Red Summer was the winner of the 2004 Dorset Prize from Tupelo Press, selected by Carl Phillips. He is a native of Compton, California, a graduate of Howard and Cornell Universities, and a former Stegner Fellow in Poetry at Stanford. He's currently on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Johnson's first book, Red Summer, skillfully explores both a variety of poetic modes and a range of personal and political landscapes, considering romantic love as well as racially motivated violence. The book takes its title from the term James Weldon Johnson coined to refer to the summer of 1919 when race riots erupted across the US. Johnson's deliberately crafted lyrics crackle with tension, and in Red Summer, we find ourselves in a narrow space between the all-too-human capacity for shocking violence and limitless rage, and the boundless promise of Johnson's intense lyricism, his profoundly imagistic language, and, the de and deeply felt emotion. Please welcome Ahmad Jamal Johnson. I'll begin with a few poems from uh, Red Summer, and then read from my new manuscript, Portion Given. Have the heart. Set the meat aside in slivers from the fatty part that loves him. Mother, you've always been good about whipping something up from nothing. Even memory, the bits skewered, speech sifting, words measured by the quarter cup. Give it time, son. Low heat, slow cook. Even when I thought he might kill you. Even after he changed the locks. I don't want to think how it might have ended. Let's strain the blood from gristle. Let's crack the window and leave the scraps for the dog. The core of this book uh, responds to a series of race riots that happened during the summer of uh, 1919. Um, there were 26 riots across this country um, from March until um, October. And um, you're thinking about this after um, you know, just after you know World War One, and um, you know, I mean, there was still this anxiety around, and, you know, the idea of a possible Bolshevik revolution. Um, so, you know, much of this violence was connected to, um, you know, fights within labor unions. Um, so, the ways in which I was very interested in, you know, the the nature of spectacle and uh, trying to unravel some of this violence. July twenty seventh, nineteen nineteen, Eugene Williams, seventeen, was found dead at the 26th Street Beach. He apparently drowned after being struck on the head by a blunt object. Chicago citizen testifies in his defense. What might seem like dumb luck isn't. It's not happenstance or being in the wrong place at the right time. 
It's about learning to see a certain point in the air and wanting to touch it with a stone. What I know about religion, I know what the sky calls from your hand you deliver. I know the angle of ascent, the pitch and point of a line, and I'm not ashamed. The fate of the rock, like that of the boy, falls somewhere between gravity and God. Names we sing in sleep and anger. Like fishermen at dusk, the soldiers return from war with stories slumped over their shoulders. Their fingers firm at the knot, the netting thick and tangled with the names of the dead. None could explain how the flood of life all around them escaped like water from between cupped hands. How the bodies of men they love began to crust the earth like salt. How destruction danced, slapdash, and unashamed everywhere, and still they survived. When I came home from college, proud, my educated mouth agape, a tackle box of words full of slick and glossy sounds. And I saw the names of my friends, the young men I fought with, learned to drink with, and left behind. Little Rock, Pumpkin, Ulysses, Junebug, a ghoster. Names spray painted throughout our neighborhood in memoriam. I couldn't understand how a god could make one life possible and strip the world clean of so many. Or how, like high watermarks, the dead remind the living of the coming of storms. Um, I'd like to begin this next poem uh, with a bit of a uh, confession. Um, I have a uh, recurring fear of being uh, cussed out in public by Mary Baraka. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's rational yet. I mean, if you know anything about Baraka, I'm sure he's capable of doing that. Um, you know, and, and the ways in which, you know, publicly kind of saying this, like, is, is a little uh, cathartic, you know, just to let you know that I have a certain fear for, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, uh, Doug and I uh, were actually um, classmates together at Howard University, and uh, Amiri Baraka uh, was a student uh, at Howard in uh, the 50s. And he's, of course, a master uh, myth maker. He, uh, he enjoys telling the story um, you know, of, of um, you know, being, um, you know, sitting in front of the administration building 
um, you know, at Howard uh, eating uh, a slice of watermelon, and an administrator comes out and um, you know challenges them, you know, like you know, you know, what the hell are you doing? This is a place of higher education. You know, we're trying to present you know a certain you know understanding in terms of you know bourgeois sensibilities and upward mobility and whatnot. And uh, you know, Baraka, you know, classically says you know, he tosses the you know the uh, the rind you know at the administrator and then storms off campuses. And this was kind of the you know beginning of his political consciousness, so to speak. Um, you know, so this poem is in response to that incident. Leroy eating watermelon at Howard. Better dead. Better to dig up and foul poor Booker's bones or pluck the pearled buttons from the good doctor's waistcoat than undo all that fine book learning. What rancor, boy? What black and wooden alchemy would bring you into the clear light, seed spitting, meat, juice smattered about your mouth and neck. Better to petition fools. Better doxologize a devil even than abandon the good sense God gave a chimp. This here is the whole caboodle, capstone of Negro education. And you, collar undone, hair and pothooks, teeth damn near gnashing at the rind. Son, I aim to write down your name. Encore. Take the architecture of the wrist, how the hands flit hinged and bony as a blur of wing, pulling each egret across the slow drag of the lake. Or the way the whole flock, given the hound dog's suffragio and the report refrain of some pistol. How each tendon, how every muscle of the limb seems to reach some agreement and move. Even the box seats and the balcony, the taste of that song tangled like moss about my Adam's apple. And I see them beginning to stand and applaud. And if I could spoon out every eye or fasten their tongues like red scarves around a flagpole. Think, come morning, for both of us, rich men. So I wait for them to release their bellies, to rest their elbows, to stop slapping their knees. I adjust my top hat, smooth my hands against my breast and tail. I step center stage, I steady, I steady, and bow. I'm often thinking about as a as a reader, um, you know, my grandmother's words, um, you know, you know, boy, don't make a spectacle of yourself. Right? And um, yeah, currently, I'm interested in um, 
you know, the nature of, uh, you know, vaudeville and, uh, you know, blackface uh, performances, um, you know, African-Americans performing in, in blackface and, you know, the, the, you know, the bitter, you know, irony and, and tragedy of, um, you know, of that, um, you know, period uh, in humor. Um, this next poem begins with uh, a quotation from Burt Williams, one of the uh, prominent, uh, you know, vaudevillians of his time. The man with the real sense of humor is the man who can put himself in the spectator's place and laugh at his own misfortune. Nobody. Bet you showed him, Bert. I mean, got their goat good the way you pulled that fist of fifties from your billfold and bought the whole bar around. Trace of burnt cork coloring the edge of your collar and your smile sliced wide as a melon's quarter moon. I see their faces, outcropped and looming in the darkness, cigar smoke cross-hatching the air, and shadows clustered, all leaning in corners like small congregations of drunks. Light from the Lafayette's marquee, Abyssinia, and the red lettering of your name wasn't enough to stop the barkeep's ribbing. Mr. Nobody, you sang. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And you, cakewalking with your eyes, pantomiming something like laughter. Uh, again, like, uh, if you think about the duo uh, of um, George Walker and uh, Burt Williams. Uh, again, there's this idea of you know authenticity. Like here are these you know African American uh, you know comics performing you know in blackface and slowly making the transition out of. But there was this investment in you know authenticity that they could kind of you know outdo um, you know what the, the white minstrels were doing um, you know because they were African American. And of course, this was all a construction. Um, so the the title for this next poem is taken from uh, one of their more popular shows during that period. Two Real Coons, Act One. Dare say there was little difference than playing the more. A second skin, you thought, an accent. Your wife sitting at the stage door dressed in ermine. Her hair in some fashionable torrent. And your face, three ovals, glazed and spinning. But it helps to think of the little tramp, purblind and choking on coal dust, knapsack dangling like a wasp nest at the end of a stick. Next stop, Cairo, smell of black-eyed Susan, train tracks stretched out like some iron vertebrae. Next stop, Cedar Rapids, Chattanooga, all teeth and bloody gums. Look out, mountain. Look out into the crowd, the night, and your wall-eyed audience, and try to keep your nerve. Uh, part of my work, I'm very uh, interested in history and um, and kind of you know researching um, you know major or you know minor figures um, you know, in uh, in theater, both on you know stage and film. 
And I began looking at um, uh, Butterfly McQueen. Um, you, you may remember Butterfly McQueen from uh, Gone with the Wind. She played uh, uh, Prissy, you know, the, the character who said, yeah, yeah, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies, like if you, if you remember that reference from the film. Um, you know, she, of course, uh, you know, abandoned, no, 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 of course, but she abandoned um, you know, acting um, because she was you know, being typecast, the same kind of role as a servant and so on. Um, you know, ironically, um, you know, when she left Hollywood, she actually began working as a servant because that's the only work that she could get. Uh, she actually had an obscure job, um, you know, um, as uh, the Santa Claus, um, you know, in uh, at Macy's, uh, you know, during the holidays uh, in the uh, early '60s. Um, she had some money, and uh, she died tragically um, when a uh, kerosene heater um, exploded in her home in Macon, Georgia. And uh, so this poem is, uh, is an elegy to her. Uh, none of her neighbors uh, had any idea who she was in terms of her film history, so they were su surprised when some of the uh, articles uh, came out uh, about her life. Miss Thelma. Our butterfly, our fancy warbler roiling in a scramble of night. Oh, sweet oblivion, home. The body's bounty and the heart trilling, all that soft weight burning, a pulse of light, the smell of camphor splayed. The song centered around how the fire flapped its tongue. Oh, cobalt heart, satin baby doll inked out and twirling on a twisted spoon, her voice like a sparrow in a pillbox. Hear how the shadow palmed the sun, how it scoured wood. She slept nude. Oh, bone rattle, Augusta, our Thelma, our song unfolding. Uh, Cicerita Jones was um, also a major uh, figure uh, in vaudeville. Um, she had a group uh, called um, Black Patties uh, Troubadours, and uh, it's fairly significant as uh, as an African American woman, um, you know, having her own kind of traveling, um, you know, uh, vaudeville company. Uh, so she was a major figure, um, you know, in the, in the teens and twenties. Uh, uh, she was compared to uh, Adele Patty, um, you know, a famous uh, Italian uh, soprano. Uh, so this poem responds uh, to her life and her presence. Fancy work. Picture her, the black patty, a black soprano, a wonder kind. Lovers like medallions, bossy, in burgundy, studded maybe. After the dog acts and acrobats, maybe in white gloves. She walks out, begins Faust or Martha. Did they notice her back, the arrow of her voice, those hands ringing? Mama's little songbird until Miss Lady began to lionize those notes, their brocade, her lungs, her breath, ornate and lingering long after the wash. Then the grand, the orpheum, men chewing their fat cigars, Someone will say the air was Baroque, their eyes a gaudy mosaic and her voice a hurdle. Even Garvey, general of no nation, starts 
teetering, weary sense. Nigger heaven. And the applause like some broken idiom. Bootlick, or a love song in defense of Lincoln Perry, a.k.a. Step and Fetch It, a.k.a. Gummy in Hearts and Dixie, Fox 1929. I know what you got knotted up in that cake hole. I can tell from the fretwork of those bloodshot eyes and all that iron you got laced in your gate. You come to wrench a reckoning. You come maybe to unhitch my soul from its blue suede and patent leather mercy seat. Come on, don't get all mealy-mouthed now on me, son. On set, when Selznick asked for a grin, what I give, I got Jupiter gnashed between my teeth. Selznick says, cower. And I call this arm here my bowstring, and I bend, and I make this body, frame and membrane, this whirling dervish of dung and bone. I make myself a makeshift mandolin. I imagine a pauper's harpsichord, and I let them play. One of the things that's fun about um, thinking about uh, humor in vaudeville is it's it's so bizarre. I mean, profoundly, like, I don't get the humor. You know, like, it seems, you know, absurd. You know, like, I'm often offended, and I'm trying to create some context for, like, why people laughed in the first place. I mean, people, if you think about humor, like, it's, it's, it's culturally specific. It's fixed in a moment. Uh, the farther we're away from something, you know, we lose all of the, you know, the reference points. So it seems kind of this, you know, bizarre space in terms of high and low diction, you know, kind of fragmented, um, you know, speed in terms of how, you know, the language, uh, you know, pieces together. Um, so it's, you know, created an opportunity for me to, um, you know, rediscover a voice. The front matter. Pity the ring dove. The silver tongue coxcomb throb and pulse, the hurly-burly of the hurdy-gurdy man. Pity the pomp, all the prunes and prisms, that miscellany of light located beneath the lips and gums. It's all that cockeyed peccockery, the dumb show high-flown, guffaw and that garbled moonlight. Now. I got the big talk. I'll play the heavy. Watch me in my cap and bells, my jingle. In a nutshell, all patter and ballyhoo aside, I'm aping the sun. I am the jack pudding. I reckon to out Herod Herod and trademark my move. I have two more poems. Butterbeans, then Butterbeans begins the itch. To watch butter settle into his trademark spin and scraw. To watch the hard-boiled and blackened yolk of his body split right there on stage. You couldn't help yourself. What instrument, the eye, sands the heart? 
yes, discernible, say sagacious, even in this dark. But who first fancied the question in silk? Who bid him to dress in skin-tight, pinstripe pantaloons, topped it with a pillbox hat, precarious as a popped soda cap? Who gave him a handle like oleander or linoleum? But butter starts anyway, twisting like the lining of his liver done just caught fire. Butter, crooning some murky cool. All that hurt and history, steady pulling like a gandy dancer, long held prisoner behind the curtain, and forever working, working its way to the surface of the skin. Uh, in Farsi, uh, the term shireen means uh, sweet. It sounds like a confection. Shireen. We finish the bread. We'll end the meal with a taste of pomegranate. I'll twist the moon from its vine and measure its weight against a pomegranate. After sampling the smoke in your skin, my lips were cured. Smiling, I gulped the air, my throat red, ballooning to the size of a pomegranate. When the house is empty, I stand at the window. Our cat yelps like a dog at the door, and this silence reeks of rotting pomegranate. Last night was as dark as dried blood. When you carried our son, you dreamed of an orchard where skulls were as small as pomegranates. I keep company with shadows. We sit in the living room. I offer wine and cheese and apologize for the absence of pomegranate. Late when my mother was gone, I counted the passing cars from the front porch, taillights like seeds split from a pomegranate. A modern romance. You undress, but never say a word. I touch your ribcage, take my thumbs, and split you like a pomegranate. Shireen's also my wife, so that may be significant. <laughs> Uh, oh, thank you so much. That was poet Ahmad Jamal Johnson reading at the Beinecke Library on October 28, 2008. For more information about the Beinecke's collections, programs, and exhibits, please visit library.yale.edu slash Beinecke.